Take your Bible, if you would, please, and make your way, if you would, to the back of your Bible to two books, little epistles written by the Apostle Peter. First and Second Peter will be our text this morning. Second Peter is where we will begin. I, I need you to have a Bible today. I, I need you to have it on your phone. I need you, if you don't have one in your person, there should be one in the pew in front of you. Um, I hope and pray that you'll pull it out and use it. Um, There are some times that when the preacher goes to preach, the only thing the preacher has to stand on is the Word of God. And that ought to be all the time as you preach the Word of God, but there are certain subjects where you, you... you literally just have to let the Bible do the preaching and do the speaking. And um, this is going to be one of those messages. I, I will begin by letting you know that it was not my intent to preach these messages over the next few weeks the way that God is having me preach them. I came to this subject of spiritual growth a few weeks ago to you thinking that I would preach just one or two messages on this passage. And yet the Lord had other ideas, and the Lord has slowed me down. So I will take the next few weeks, maybe seven weeks, and preach to you from this one passage on the subject of the cycle of spiritual growth in your life. I'm asking God as the pastor of Plantation Baptist Church that God would allow 2022 to be a year of spiritual growth in our church. That he would not just let it be a year of spiritual growth corporately, but that it would be a a year of spiritual growth individually. And I'm really going to challenge you um, the way that I believe that God is challenging my heart on the reality of whether or not you as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ are growing in your faith. The thought and truth of spiritual growth is one that the Apostle Peter outlines for us and gives to us as a hope and a blessing and a direction for the church in very perilous times. I want you to go, if you would please, to chapter 3 of 2 Peter and look at the very last verse. The very last verse of the chapter is the Apostle Peter's admonition to a church that is living in the midst of corrupt teachers, false doctrine, a time in which the world is calling good evil and evil good, the absence of spiritual knowledge and application. If I could say it in our vernacular, the world has lost its mind. I don't know about you, but I believe that you and I are living in a day of insanity in the world. The insanity of the world is just seen so vibrant and vivid as you align the world's philosophy, its theology, its practice with the Word of God. And to be kind, I will just sum it up this way. What God calls good, the world calls evil. And what God calls evil, the world calls good. And there is an insanity in 
in the mind of the world, my mind goes to the Olympics. My mind goes to college sports. Think about the insanity of having male swimmers swim against female swimmers and the domination of the male swimmers. Even the world is waking up to there is a creator who made men and female. And they're waking up to some things. The insanity has, has kind of gone on so far. Now, Peter's writing to people, Christian people, that are living in an insane world at their time. And here's the admonition to them. Look, if you would, please, at chapter number 3, verse 18. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. And the last word there, church, is what? Amen. So Peter is finishing his little epistle. He's writing to Christian people like you and I who've been saved. And he's saying the way that you thrive and the way that you survive in an insane world is that the church must grow spiritually in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That growth corporately, but that growth individually. Peter has bookended this. Go, if you would, to the book right before 1 Peter. Look, if you would, at chapter number 2. And go, if you would, to verse number 1. And this was his admonition to save people a year prior. A year prior, he writes this. Wherefore, laying aside all malice. Now, you need to know that according to verse number 1 of chapter number 1... Peter is writing to believers who have been strange, who are strangers and they're scattered abroad. There is a man called Nero. Nero was a Roman emperor who is annihilating the church of Christ during this time. Nero would take you, sir, because of your faith. He would arrest you from your home. He would dip you in pitch. He would nail you to a post. He would stick you in the ground and he would light you on fire and he would light his gardens. And he would do that to your wife and to your children because you love the Lord. I want to let you know something. If you did that to my wife or my children because I love the Lord, you bet your bottom dollar malice could develop in my heart. Okay, so stay with me now. Read verse number one. Wherefore, laying aside all malice, all guile, hypocrisies, envies, all evil speakings... As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may, what class? Grow. Grow in First Peter. Grow in Second Peter. So Peter's admonition to the church to survive an insane world and to survive a violent world of insanity was that we are to spiritually grow in the saving grace, the sustaining grace, the sufficient grace of God, and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. So let's put a parenthesis here. Let's stop and let's talk to one another. Go back to March 15th, 2020. Uh-uh, Pastor, not on your last... I am not going back there. I understand. But let's go back that far. On a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being pathetic, 
10 being wonderful. Are you growing as a Christian? Do you feel like you are spiritually well-nourished? Are you increasing and becoming greater in your faith? I, I would say that if the church is going to be anything to the world evangelistically, if we are going to be anything to the world to lift high the love of God, then we ourselves need to be growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. So I'm asking you, you call yourself a Christian, you're sitting there, you're thinking about your life. Am I actively on a, on a chart where I am spiritually growing? Or am I stagnant? Or am I going back? I would submit to you, whatever has life grows. I would submit to you that you as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ have the responsibility and the ability to grow in your spiritual life. And so many times I get asked about, Pastor, I want to grow. I want to go forward in my life. But how do I effectively grow spiritually? Well, Peter helps us with this. And this will be the verses of our text here, if you would. 2 Peter chapter number 1. Verse number 5 is our text. Verse 5 all the way down to verse number 9. Peter says in this epistle, And beside this, giving all diligence. So Peter says, this is to take your concentration. This is to be your understanding. This is to be important to you. This is to take your effort This is something that you see and you work at. This is not something that you just do on Sunday. This is every day of your life. As diligent as you are to preparing for retirement. As diligent as you are in your hobby. As diligent as you are in your relationships. As diligent you are in your business or your success. As diligent as you are in in your, your joys. Be diligent to add to your faith. Now, nobody in this room saved themselves. If anybody's been saved for all eternity, we've been saved by God. But once we have put our faith and saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we have been born again, and the Spirit of God lives inside of us, there is now a working out of that faith, or a walking faith, or a biblical faith, a growing faith, as I'm learning to trust the Lord, that is my responsibility to see that that initial faith is added to. This word add is important. It means do your part. That means that God saved you. God has indwelt you. God has enabled you to do all things through Christ. You have the Holy Spirit of God living in you, but you've got to do your part in adding. You've got to do your part in practicing. You've got to do your part in exercising. God saved you, but God's not going to grow you without your help. Add to your faith. That adding there means practice, exercise, bring in beside. This is something that you must do, believer. You must appropriate diligently in your life. Look at the seven things. I hope you have them underlined. Add to your faith virtue. Knowledge. Verse 6. Temperance, 
patience, godliness. Verse 7, brotherly kindness, charity. Seven things. Read verse number 8 and 9, I beg you. For if these things be in you. Now when did those things get in you? Those things got in you when the Holy Spirit of God indwelt you. When you were saved and the Holy Spirit of God moved into you, He brought to you God's virtue, God's knowledge, God's temperance, God's godliness, brotherly kindness, charity. All of these things are are applicable or possible to me because of the Holy Spirit of God has indwelt me. So if these things be in you and, what's that word class? Abound. That means that as they're in me, they're working out of me. So God put them in me through his spirit. As I'm filled with the spirit of God and he controls me and moves me, he enables me to abound in these things. This is the responsibility I have. Now watch this. They make you that ye shall neither be barren, useless, nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse number 9 makes my hair stand up. And that's a big job. <laughs> but he that lacketh these things is blind. And cannot see afar off. And hath, what's that word class? Forgotten. That he was purged from his old sins. Now I I think in some way the church of Jesus Christ needs a message today. That needs to remind us that we've been purged by the blood of Jesus Christ from our sin. And because of the love of John 3.16. Toward me. And the salvation of God in while I was yet a sinner. That responsibility after that salvation is for me to grow and to add to my faith and to grow as a testimony to the glory of God, to grow in relation with God, to grow in ways to know God. I think that we've gotten so comfortable and we've gotten so distracted and we've become able to care for ourselves that we have forgot that without Jesus Christ we can do nothing. And I just wonder just because we have people doesn't mean we have a church. And just because you have Christian people doesn't mean you have spiritually growing people. Just because you come to church doesn't mean that you're automatically spiritually growing. Spiritually growing means that I become useful and fruitful in the kingdom of God. The first thing that we're told to add to our faith is the word virtue. The word virtue there, you see it. The word means moral excellence. Now here's where the preaching of the subject matter gets very important. 
in my 28 years of ministry, I have never seen Christianity more immoral in my life than I do now. Never have I seen immorality so entrenched in, let's just use the word, church. What you used to have to pay for to see or get, I, I can now in my office listen to God to people who call themselves Christian who are practicing. Peter said, once God has saved you, the very first place you begin to grow is in moral excellence. That's the first thing you add to your faith. So we can make sure we understand what moral excellence we're talking about, go to verse number 3, please, of the same chapter. Here's where you need the Bible. Peter says, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and what class? So, so this virtue or moral excellence is not the world's morality, it's God's morality. Now the world has a morality, but I submit to you, when you compare it to God's morality, the world's morality is immoral. Let me give you a description of that morality. Take your Bible. You see my Bible in the pulpit? Take your page and go one, probably two. First John, chapter 2, verse 15. Please read the Bible. Love not the world. Go to verse number one of chapter two real quick. Just look down there. The first three little words are my little children. If you are one of the little children in Christ, say amen. Okay, so he's writing to you too. Me too. Tom. Tom, love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If a man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, he's not talking about the peoples of the world or your neighbor. He's talking about the system of the world that is fashioned after the small g God of this world. Here's the description, verse 16. 
For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world passeth away, the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth how long, class? Forever. You, you can't love the world and love God. This, this has to be preached. You can't love and live in the lust of your flesh and love it. And embrace it. And sneak it. And build a life. Where you're moral on Sunday. And immoral Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then come to church and say. The love of God who is Jesus. Is in me. Now we've got people. All throughout Christianity. That love the lust of their flesh, love the lust of their eyes, love the pride of their life. They check their box on Sunday and they feel moral. They're living to the world's morality, which is an immorality against God. Now that doesn't mean that a Christian can't have an affair A Christian can't struggle with some type of sexual sin. But you know when you wrap your lust around you in a garment and you snuggle up to it and you build this whole life. Peter said, the very first thing that gets changed about you when you got saved is your morality. Why? Because the old man's been a done way with and there's a new man in town. And he is as moral as any man can be because he's God. And he lives in our hearts. Okay? Where where does morality begin with you? It's great. Where is it found? Go to Philippians chapter 4. Track with me. Please, track with me. Don't tune me out. Philippians chapter 4. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Pastor, where if adding moral excellence, adding a virtue, adding a morality, my flesh is strong, I get tempted, I want victory here, I understand that. The person who doesn't care and just wants to play the game, they need to be saved. But God's people can battle in this. So let me show you where moral excellence really begins inside of you. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely... Whatsoever things are of good report, 
If there be any, what? Virtue. And if there be any praise, what's that little five-letter word? Think on these things. Morality is measured in your mind. That's why Jesus said, let this mind be in you, which was all, Paul wrote, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The mind is what meditates morality. The mind is what processes it. The mind is what thinks about it. Once it gets into your mind, you're, you're going to make a judgment basis on what you're going to do. We know that battle in our mind. Some don't even know the battle in their mind. The question then is, how do I keep a clean mind? Good question. For this, you need Jesus' words. Go to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 11, please. Come on, track with me. Wrinkle of paper so I know your turn. Turn your paper thing on in your app. Luke chapter 11. Look at verse number 34. I'll be patient. Luke 11, 34. The light, Jesus said, of the body is the what class? The eye. Therefore, when thine eye is single, thy whole body also is full of light. But when thine eye is evil, thy body also is full of darkness. Take heed, therefore, that the light which is in thee be not dark, If thy whole body therefore be full of light, having no part dark, the whole shall be full of light as when the bright shining of a candle doth giveth thee light. Jesus is letting them know that the way things enter into the mind mostly is through our eyes. Now I just want to stop and say this. Just so we understand, pornography is a sin. I'll do it one more time. Pornography is a sin. I don't do this often. Why in the world would Christian people have coming through our TVs what we have coming through our TVs? We used to be afraid of the preacher's pointy finger. That's back in the old day. Watch me scare you to death. I love him with all my heart. He's a righteous man, right? Give me your cell phone. Unlock it. Let me trace the history. See, when they come to see the preacher... 
And I say, could I see your phone for a minute, sir? Why you want that? Because my wife, the wife tells me, Pastor, do you take your phone to the bathroom? No. Pastor, do you take your phone into the shower? No. Pastor, does your wife have the confirmation, the numbers on your phone? Yes. Huh. My husband doesn't let me. My husband takes his phone everywhere. I could never see my husband's phone. What so-called believers are putting in their eyes goes into your mind and there's where the battle of morality comes in. Jesus said, if your eyes are single, your whole body's full of light. I hate darkness in my house. My, my wife... She had a hard time sleeping sometimes, so she bought something called blackout curtains. Anybody, anybody else have blackout curtains? Okay. So, so blackout curtains are working. The other day, I hadn't been asleep 30 minutes, and she says, you are snoring like a bear. Oh, yeah, the blackout curtains are working, man. <laughs> but during the day, I hate those things. I, my, my kids... Dad, let's watch a movie. Okay, let's go to the Hallmark Channel. No, Dad, we're not watching the Hallmark Channel. We're going to watch a movie. Okay, fine. Let's turn all the lights out. I don't want to turn the lights out. Why do we got to watch TV in the dark? So when I get up, first thing I do is I go into the kitchen and I open up every blind in the whole house to let the light come in. And I take them blackout curtains, and Beverly and I have this little game now because every morning I open them up and every evening she closes them, right? Why? Because I don't want darkness. What you do with these eyeballs either allows the light to come into your life or the darkness to come into your life. And I'm telling you as a pastor, and I can't be the only pastor, church people are putting things in their eyes and their mind they should never be putting in their eyes and their mind. The first thing you do when you get saved is your morality changes. Pastor, I struggle. I struggle here, Pastor. Okay, so you write down this passage of Scripture. I don't have time to preach it, but you go read it. Psalm 119, you start at about verse number 34, and you go down to verse 38. Psalm 119, you start at verse 34, you go down about to verse 38, and when you get to verse 37, the psalmist asks the Lord to turn his eyes so let me conclude. Go, if you would, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. One more passage for everybody to read. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Pastor, we're still writing down the other passage. What was it? Psalm 119, 34 to 35. Psalm 119, 34 to 35. Go, to, if you would, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Here's where I need you to have a Bible because you're going to hate me if you don't. Okay. Verse number nine. Know you not 
that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, that's any sexual sin apart from a husband and a wife. That's a self-sexual sin. That's a homosexual sin. That's a heterosexual sin. That's a group sin. That's a texting sin. That's a sexting sin. Any sexual behavior that happens outside the bond of a husband and wife. Now, what he's talking about here is a life of that. Not a struggle, not a failure, a life of that. Be not deceived, neither fornicator, nor idolater, nor adulterer, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thief, covetous, drunkard, reviler, nor extortioner shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now, let's stop right there. I'm your pastor, so let me step over here as Tom. I'm in verses 9 and 10. I'm not going to tell you which one I'm in. I'm actually in a few of them. But if you were to read verses 9 and 10, there was a time when Tom was in verses 9 and 10. But you bet your bottom dollar I'm in verse number 11. And such were some of you. But you are washed. You are sanctified. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So if you're in verse 11, would you say amen? So I, I was 9 and 10. I, I were of that. But I got saved. I got washed. I got cleansed. I got created new. And I begin to add a moral excellence to my life through the virtue of Christ. And I begin to see my adultery. I begin to see my fornication, my adulterers, my, my effeminacy. I begin to see all of that lying and thieving. All those things that we're all guilty of. I begin to see how those were sins against God. How that God had to die for those things. And the more of the moral virtue character of Christ and that light shined in my life. Oh, I could begin to see that darkness. And when we fall in that darkness, we confess our sins and he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. But we stink and don't live there. Well, here's where the church is messed up. We're moral on Sunday and we're immoral the other six days and we think we're okay. No, we were those things. Keep reading. Verse 18. Flee fornication every sin that a man doeth is without the body but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body what Christian Tom know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you which you have of God you are not your own You are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So let's just be real real frank. Can we be frank? When I got saved, God bought my soul out of condemnation. 
He bought my spirit out of death under life, and he bought my body, and he bought your body. And if you call yourself a Christian, God owns your body, and he says, don't fornicate with it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Do you understand that your body, Tom, has become the temple of the living God? Nobody in this room would do any vile thing to this building because we believe this thing to be that, this building to house the church of God. But we don't see that about our own bodies. Your body belongs to God. Don't fornicate with it. Glorify God with it. We're not going to grow spiritually if we can't add this to our lives. Pastor, the temptation is just too strong for me. No, you just don't understand how strong God is. Well, Pastor, I feel so ashamed because I do good for a while, then I fall. Okay, well, that's the Christian life. If you walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But to love it, to identify with it, it's not salvation. The character of the Christian life is the morality of God. And I promise you, God is holy. Thus saith the word of God. Shall we pray? Thank you for your patience, church family. Let me say a word to those of you that are not believers. Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian, but you're looking for some purity in your life, some cleansing in your life. You understand what pastor's preaching about. You understand what the world is like. And you came here today with guilt and shame and heaviness and burden. Well, I want to let you know something. You came to the right place because Jesus is here to take all of that away from you. And I don't care how immoral you have been. Seated around you are people who used to be extremely immoral. But God loved us and saved us and cleaned us up. And God will do the same for you too. Pastor, I feel so dirty. Okay, good. You can't clean yourself, but God can clean you. Oh, pastor, I'm too dirty for God. No, you're not. Don't let Satan tell you that. God loves you, and no matter how dirty you are, he'll receive you and save you if you open your heart to him. Christian, the body of Christ, corporately and individually, is adding morality because of Christ. How you doing in this area? It's the first thing. What are you taking through your eye? What are you meditating in your mind? 
to mortify that flesh. Father, the silence is deafening because I preach to people who love the Lord and love the Word of God, who, who reverence the Word of God. We're all analyzing our life right now. Are we growing in the area of virtue, moral excellence? Some, they need, they need a confession and a cleansing and a straightening up. A new renewal of walking in the Spirit, you're willing to do that. Some have gotten great victory here and they need to help others through discipleship. They need to not think more highly of themselves, but they need to thank you for the power of God in their life. Some are here and they, they've never been saved and that list of things that I read, they are. And in reading the holiness of God, they see themselves, but oh, if they could see the love of God, God would take their life, he'd forgive their sin, he'd save them. And he'd give them the greatest life ever, the Christian life. I pray you'd have your way and your will now. In just a moment, we're going to stand and sing. The altar will be open. Men of God will be here to receive anybody that would want help for prayer. Maybe you want to come and do business with the Lord privately. You can kneel. You can sit on a pew. Maybe you would like somebody to take a Bible and show you how to be saved or somebody to pray with you. We're here to do that. But if God's speaking to your heart about spiritual growth, especially in the area of moral excellence. Would you let God have his way today? Let him have his way today. I beg you to do that. Stand if you would, please. The song is, I have decided to follow Jesus. Let's decide on the very first verse. Christian, you're singing, you're praying, you're asking the Lord to work, you're asking for folks to submit to what the Lord would have them to do in their life. Verse number one, I've decided to follow Jesus. The altar is now open. God bless you. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back, no turning back, though none go with me, still I will follow, though none go with me. Still I will follow, though none go with me, still I will follow, no turning back, no turning back. Will you decide now to follow Jesus? Will you decide now to follow Jesus? Decide now to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. <clears throat> Behind the desk, I'm your pastor and your preacher, and I try to do both. 
in the office, I'm your pastor. I make this plea to you. I, I learned victory in this area through what the Lord was able to do. Pastor, I struggle in this area of moral excellence horribly. Then reach out to me. I promise you I'll never hurt you. Be private and discreet. We'll meet. I can show you what God did in my life and how he did it from the word of God. And I'll be glad to show you. So you can know there is victory in Jesus Christ. It's up to you. But if you reach out, um, well, don't reach out today. I'm tired. Reach out. And we'll do it. We'll do it another day. All right. Footsteps of Jesus. Come back tonight for 530 for the class. God bless you. Sweetly, Lord, we have heard thee calling. Come, follow me. And we see where the footprints falling lead us to thee. Footprints of Jesus that make the pathway glow. We will follow the steps of Jesus wherever they go. And God bless you all. You are now dismissed.